Welcome to Steadfast. I am so glad to be with you once again as we dig into God's Word, continuing our series through Proverbs this summer, exploring the mysterious figure of Lady Wisdom, this representation of God's wisdom. I, I'm excited to dig back into it tonight as we think a few weeks ago over this series, we've been seeing how she applies to how we live and act. And now we're going to think about where did she come from? How long has she been around? And as we do that, we're going to explore what is truly timeless. We often think about time, and one of the ways we think about time is when we talk about getting time away. I know some of you were praying, and I appreciate that so much, as my mom and I headed down to Table Rock Lake for a little time away this past week. It was wonderful and refreshing. Your prayers were so appreciated. And I love going to Table Rock Lake. There's so much beautiful to see down there. I have my Dogwood Canyon shirt on today. I, I didn't get to see Dogwood Canyon this time, but it's a beautiful, beautiful place. A, a timeless place. You encounter so much of what God created there. These beautiful creeks and streams and trees. And then there's interesting history. It's just an amazing place. You really should check it out and, and see it if you're down in that area. It's so, so wonderful. Now, we all have places like that that we like to stop and experience as we go on trips. But one of my favorite things on a trip isn't actually going to go see something. It's something I like to do when I'm tucked away in a cabin in the woods. And that's read a good book, maybe a good novel. It's just nice to escape and, and read something that doesn't have a great deal of purpose to it. Just enjoy it and be someplace that we don't have the constant distraction of notifications and, and obligations that pull us away from it, just to absorb it, and, and to absorb it someplace that's truly beautiful. So when you look up, it's just, wow, look at this beautiful lake and these trees. I, I love that. A few years ago, though, I was disappointed to realize that I'd gone on a trip and I had forgotten my books. They were still sitting at home waiting to be packed up. And, and so... I went down to the hotel gift shop and, and thought, well, maybe I can find something to read there. So I started to, to flip through the books there and found a novel from an author I'd never read before. But the first few pages sounded pretty interesting. And, and so I picked it up. And, and in fact, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it so much, I've read many of the books in that series since then. Keyword is many of the books in that series. And I remember reading this book for the first time and, and being a little confused because there was all this backstory being referred to of, of things that happened that I didn't remember reading about in the novel up to that point. And I thought, well, that's interesting. Why is that being mentioned? Or, or what's this that's being referred to? And finally, it, it, it dawned on me that I was reading the fifth or sixth book in a series. And there had been all these other stories that happened before. I've, I've gone back and read many of them now and enjoyed those as well. But at the time, it sort of threw me off. I, I didn't know where I was in the story there, and there was so much that happened, and, and I, I didn't know how to piece it all together at the time. We do that with wisdom. We, we, we see bits of wisdom. We observe wisdom in the world. God's given us brains and senses, and we can go out into the world and, and observe plants and animals and other people and life and piece together bits of wisdom. 
problem is we start to think of those things as wisdom itself. We start to think of, for example, if we for perform an experiment on something that we've discovered wisdom, but what it's really doing is pointing to something else. And what we see in our passage today is that God's wisdom, God's wisdom predates everything that exists. And that's what we read about if we turn to Proverbs chapter 8. So let's go ahead and do that right now. It says in verse 22, The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no debts, I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had been shaped, before the hills, I was brought forth, before he had made the earth with its fields, or the first of the dust of the world. Can you even picture that? I can't. How do we, how do we even get an idea of what it means to come before everything? We need God's help to make sense of this, so let's come before our God before we dig in tonight and ask for his guidance. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you and, and we seek after wisdom. We try to gather it throughout our, our lives, throughout our experiences. But would you help us to understand when we're coming into the, the middle of the series of novels, when we're looking at something that exists now, that has an ability to point us to wisdom, that we wouldn't stop there, but we'd look back to the beginning we look back to what you've done from time before time and through that to better understand you and who you've made us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we make sense of that? What does it mean to come before anything at all? I read these words and I can't even begin to make sense of them because everything we do relates to the things that exist. We even relate time itself to things that exist, to the movement of the, of the earth its rotation around the sun, the the way that we see this created sun and this created earth in in this constant movement to each other. Time itself is a creation of God. So how do we even think about time before time? How does any of this make sense? Sometimes we, we come to the wrong conclusion on that, and we can see this in the way that people have debated verse 22. It says, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work in the ESV, your translation may say, the Lord created me at the beginning of his work. Both are capturing a sense of it, and but both of it are, are, both words give us a bit of a struggle because we can come to a conclusion, well, maybe this thing, wisdom, is something separate from God. God is someone who is wise. But what it's trying to, to say to us here and where we struggle with our English words is that Wisdom didn't exist before God, so in a sense, yes, he created it because it comes out of his very being. It comes from him, but not in the sense that it, it pre-exists, that it, it, it somehow, excuse me, that it didn't pre-exist, that, that wisdom came into being and before that there wasn't wisdom. If there is God, there is wisdom because God possesses wisdom. And that's where I like that word because God possessed wisdom because wisdom is very much him himself. We see this word used throughout scripture. For example, in Genesis chapter 4, Eve, when she remarks at the birth of her first son, says, now I have, and we can insert this word there, it may say in your translation, made a man, possessed a man, to refer to the fact that now she has a son, and that can't be changed. She's a mother, she has a son. Likewise here, 
this possession that God has, wisdom is always a part of him. It can't be changed. Only unlike the experience of Eve, it doesn't have, there isn't a starting point where you can say, at this point, wisdom came into existence. Before that, it wasn't. But now it's indelible. God's wisdom was indelible, is indelible. How do we make sense of that? Well, Proverbs tries to start to help us to picture that by talking about this lady wisdom. It's a it's a metaphor or a personification. It's trying to give us something to kind of wrestle with, uh, uh, even if it is in a sort of mysterious way. But in the New Testament, we can hang on to something more concrete because we get a better sense of this wisdom and how this wisdom relates to the God who creates. And that's what we see in Colossians chapter 1. It says, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. We cut over to John chapter 1, where Jason had us last night during our Sunday service. What do we read in the very first verse? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. Now, if you're thinking the language in these two passages echoes what we're reading here in Proverbs 8, you're thinking correctly. Because while in Proverbs we encounter a metaphor of lady wisdom, a personification, a a picture to help us to understand this mystery that, that God himself can be wisdom. How do we put our heads around that? Then when we get to the New Testament, it can speak more concretely because the very wisdom of God comes into the world. When John chooses to refer to Jesus as the word, he's using a word related to wisdom by using that word, word, by using a the idea of capturing something in a word. Because Jesus himself is God's wisdom personified. When we think about what Paul's saying in Colossians there, he's saying everything was made through Jesus. When we go on in chapter 1 of John, John says, everything was made through Jesus. And so we see the Father and the Son relating to each other in in a way that could just mysteriously be pictured in Proverbs, that, that wisdom is God and wisdom is used by God. It's a, a, a beginning of a hint of the Trinity before we could even make sense of that, before humanity could, because Jesus hadn't come yet and the fullness of who God is hadn't been revealed yet but it's getting at that truth. And and in that, we're seeing that wisdom is something that lasts. Wisdom lasts for eternity. Wisdom is timeless. Just like I mentioned, those creeks and those streams, that beauty that's protected in that nature reserve at Dogwood Canyon is timeless. How much more so wisdom? Because I say timeless, but those creeks and streams have changed over time. People have built things. People have cut down trees. It changes. It's not really timeless in a literal sense, it's just sort of kind of timeless. But God's wisdom is truly timeless because God's wisdom is God himself. And so it won't change. There aren't trendy forms of wisdom. We may find things that are packaged up like wisdom that sound wise in the moment, but they come and they go. God's wisdom stays. We run into all kinds of things that come and go, things that seem lasting, things that seem meaningful in the moment, things that we might think are institutions and will be around for a long time, and they're not. They come and they go. And sometimes, in hindsight, we think they were there a lot longer than they were. 
all my life I've heard about pet rocks. I had one at one point, and I, I would have thought that pet rocks were a trend for years that people had these, but then I started reading about this whole phenomena of a pet rock, and as it turns out, pet rocks were only around for maybe six months in, in their original form, in, in, in the form of the authentic original pet rock that came in a little animal carrier-like box and and was gifted at Christmas and so on. That that was a one-year trend, not even a one-year trend. It, it emerged in 1975 by a, a man who was joking with his friends at, at the bar. They were talking about how how their pets were causing him all kinds of hardship in life, and he joked that he had an easy pet. He had a rock. And as everyone laughed, it, it sprung to his mind, maybe I should do something with this. And so he did. He He created the design of the box and marketed it and ended up making millions that Christmas as people enjoyed the laugh of giving each other a pet rock. But imagine if he decided, this is a lasting thing. I'm going to buy a huge office building for Pet Rock Incorporated, and I'm going to do this and this, and I'm going to invest all the money I've made back into further Pet Rocks and Pet Rock accessories and so on. He would have lost it all. Instead, he, he seemingly realized it was a passing trend and walked away with the money, was a successful marketing representative, started a, a bar and restaurant with the money that he made. Things went pretty well for him, but he recognized it was a trend. It didn't last. We may still talk about it, but it isn't something that you could go and make millions on today. Yet so often the wisdom of the world, the, the quote-unquote wisdom of the world, we think is something lasting that we can tap into and hold on to. And, and so we hold on to it long after it's gone out of fashion. We think it's something lasting, something timeless, and it's not. We hold on to those trends, but they leave us empty. They leave us impoverished, maybe in bankruptcy, moral bankruptcy, um, for example, where we chase after things that the world says are okay but aren't. Just general unhappiness, because we chase after the things that the world says are going to make us happy, and they don't. Trends change, and the so-called wisdom of the world changes, but God's wisdom doesn't change. And here's where we need to challenge ourselves. We need to ask ourselves some questions about what we're holding on to. Where am I holding on to passing trends? Because all of us are going to. Where is it that I'm doing that? And maybe even more problematically, where am I letting go of unchanging wisdom because I'm so busy holding on to those passing trends? I, I think I'm holding on to something that will last but here's God's word, and I'm letting go of it because I, my hands are too busy holding on to what will one day be just another pet rock. It, it strikes me thinking about our church family at Little Hills. I, I love that we gather together from so many different backgrounds. We we don't all have the same church experience in the past. Some of us became Christians later. Some of us became Christians earlier. Some of us have been in very traditional church settings. Some of us have been in more contemporary ones. And we, we blend that together in our service, and maybe all of us feel a little stretched at times. The, the music might be a little bit more contemporary than some people are used to, and then we do a hymn, and, and people say, well, what's that if they've only been to a contemporary service? Or, or we have a, a liturgy, that, uh, the order of service, it's patterned after the ancient church, and it feels very structured as people who are used to a, a very contemporary service. Why do we do those things? Why do we stretch in different directions? Because... Here's the thing, when we say, well, I wish it were a little less contemporary or a little more contemporary, when we're, we're reaching for those things, we're reaching for the trends that are most comfortable to us. 
And what we're trying to do and what we can help each other to do with our different backgrounds and experiences is encourage each other to hold on to not the trends, whether it's the contemporary trend or the whatever we would call traditional trend, but that we hold on to the lasting wisdom behind those trends. Because when we see godly men and women trying to apply God's word, they're going to absorb their culture. They're going to be trendy ways to do it. And those things aren't the thing itself. We want to hold on to God's word and his truth. And, and sometimes that involves going back and singing a song written a thousand years ago. Sometimes it's one that just came out last week. Sometimes it's using the latest technology like we do with these live streams. Sometimes it's gathering together just as the early church did and, and partaking of the Lord's Supper. Notice there what we do, though. It all points back to the fellowship that God has given us, the, the sacrifice that Jesus has done for us. It comes back to what lasts, not the trendy trimmings we put on it, like the lights or the hymnal. Because all those come and they go. But God's word lasts. So let's not hold on to the trends. And not just in church. We can see that in different ways of, of doing church, whether it's the church government, whether it's the church service style, all those things. But in our lives, too, are we holding on to trends? Are we holding on to God's wisdom as it applies to how we work and how we interact with our families and so on and so forth? That's the challenge. And notice what, what I said there. It, it involves how we work. Because what do we see as we go on? into verse 27, we see that God works through his wisdom. It says, when he established the heavens that was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the deep, when, when he made firm the skies above, when he established the fountains of the deep, when he assigned to the sea its limits so that the waters might not transgress his command, when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was beside him like a master workman, and I was his Daily, I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of man. So we know that creation itself not only was created through wisdom, that God used him, his own wisdom and applied it to this creation. But then that's the source of delight. It's so significant that we see over and over again. We see it as God speaks the creation into existence in Genesis. We see it here in Proverbs. We see it again in John and again in Colossians. And we find it referenced elsewhere in Scripture as well, that God creates through wisdom, that God taps his own unchanging nature to make the creation. And so it is that wisdom is woven into the very existence of everything, including not just the plants and the rocks and the world and the stars and so on, but you and me as well. You think, why would God create someone like me? Here's something you should know, that God in his wisdom made you. You weren't an accident or a mistake. God intended you to be here and he wants you to know him. That's the hope that we have. And that's where it's so important that we don't just stop here in Proverbs 8, but we, we turn to the New Testament. We see what is only a metaphor here, what is truly, concretely able to be held on to as we encounter Jesus himself. We want to know God's wisdom. We want to know the one who created the world. We should know Jesus. And as we know him, we see how wisdom works, that, that the Father works through the Son to create everything. Isn't it interesting when we think about our God and who we find in Scripture, 
we see very clearly why we should want to know him. There were many ancient stories of different deities who allegedly created things, but they didn't work like God does. They, maybe they'd have an epic battle to create the world, or they'd get out God-sized tools and, and hammer out a world. They'd do those sorts of things. And I'm not being irreverent. This is literally how these myths were written, what they said in them. God's different than a myth. God spoke and the world came into existence. Notice that speech. In other words, his wisdom pouring out forms things. Wisdom is so concrete when it comes from God. True wisdom is so true that God merely utters it and things happen. A world comes into existence. And so then, no wonder that we find our delight and our hope in studying the one who created that world. Look again at verse 31. Wisdom says that, that she is rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the children of men. What brings delight and wisdom? What happens when we find wisdom and we delight in God's wisdom? Well, we, we, we start to understand things. We start to understand how things really work and that this God who could just utter things and create it created you and me. He delights in you and me. And that he cares about you and me because this wisdom himself came into the world in flesh and blood as a true human being to, to live, to suffer, and to die for us. Metaphor here, yes, very much so in, in Proverbs as we read about Lady Wisdom, this attempt to, to bring together this, this concreteness of God's wisdom, that, is, that wisdom isn't just something abstract, but something that actually creates, something that actually does. But then further developed, further explained later on, as the very Savior of the world. As we know that he went to the cross for us and died for us, that, that wisdom isn't merely some ideas that, that give us an idea on how to, to live a decent life and maybe be relatively happy with it. Wisdom died for us. And so as we know wisdom, we can take delight in wisdom because wisdom loves us. Wisdom knew exactly what was going to happen, the very cost to create you and me, the very pain that we would bring to God. Wisdom made us anyway, because Jesus loves us. We have the opportunity to know wisdom, wisdom truly and fully when we turn to Jesus. You know, so often we turn to things that are trying to approximate it. I mentioned at the beginning we study things, and that's a good thing. If you're going into a new job, or you're trying to take care of your home, or you're just trying to know how to, to be a better friend to the people around you, it's good to observe and to, to come up with wise ways to interact with them. But let's not mistake that for wisdom itself. Let's not mistake the real thing for what we can piece together by our observations. Coming back from vacation, I, I loved going to a place called the Barn and Grill. It's in Bourbon, Missouri. It's most of the way back from, from the Table Rock Lake area. It's about an hour out of St. Louis, and they had the best fried chicken, wonderful, amazing, mouth-watering pies. It was just a place to look forward to, and it was kind of a neat thing because you'd be coming back, sad to be coming back after a wonderful vacation. You'd, you'd stop there, and it was something to look forward to because it was so good. Even though it was sad to be coming back, it was still wonderful, and even though there had been great food on the trip, it was so delicious that you looked forward to it. I, I looked forward to it for months if I didn't get there between trips because it was just so delicious. 
Sadly, it didn't survive the pandemic. Uh, and and I was thinking the other day how much I, I just wish I had the recipe for their chicken or, or the recipe for their pies because I'd love to eat them again. They were wonderful. Best fried chicken I've ever had. Now, it was just a single restaurant, so I don't expect to go online and find one of those copycat recipe sites having a recipe for barn and grill fried chicken. But imagine it was a chain. Maybe you had a favorite food at a chain that's closed, and you, and you go on and you find that copycat recipe, and you, you find that someone's pieced together approximately what it was that you used to get, and you put it together, and it tastes approximately like it. It's pretty good. It, it at least satisfies the craving. Maybe even do that for a restaurant that's still open but is expensive or far away. It's, it's nice. It's not perfect, but it's nice. But how silly would it be to go to that copycat recipe site and, and get that copycat recipe if the restaurant itself released the real recipe? If I could find that barn and grill chicken on a copycat recipe site, but then I, I heard from the owner that just in some amazing coincidence tonight, the owner's watching this live stream and says, if someone loved my fried chicken so much that, that he's going to mention it in the sermon, I'm going to send him the recipe. And I get that email tomorrow and I get that recipe and I say, oh, here is the actual recipe for that fried chicken. Let me go see if I can find a copycat online. And I'll use that and I'll make it. That would seem ridiculous, wouldn't it? Of course I'd use the real recipe. How often do we piece together bits and pieces of, of wisdom from this world? And, and, and maybe even some of it is good, but we, we don't go and get the real thing. And we don't let the real thing determine how we interact with what we observe in the world. But, but God calls us to turn to his wisdom, to hold on to his wisdom. And then to apply it to the things we do. God works through his wisdom. So how much more should we work through his wisdom? That how much more should God's people work through his wisdom? We don't need to seek after worldly management styles and worldly ways of communicating and worldly this and worldly that. Sometimes there's, there's wise things that people come up with. I'm not saying we discard human wisdom. But let's make sure it's being analyzed first and foremost through the wisdom of God. Because that's where our real hope is. Let's not get the copycat recipe for wisdom. Let's get the real recipe. It's right here in God's word, right here for you and me right now. And we, we can encounter that wisdom and we can experience it starting by simply coming to know Jesus. Because in him, we encounter wisdom incarnate. God's wisdom is timeless. It's not going to pass. Jesus isn't going to be here for a time. He's not a trend. He's not a moment. Everything we find in the world changes but God doesn't. And he invites you and me to know him and to experience that, that his wisdom is not ready for a time, but every time, including our time right now. So let's come before him right now and ask that he would help us to apply wisdom in our lives. Lord, we come before you and so often we chase after trends. We chase after things that we think will satisfy, will make us happy, will make us successful. In your word, we find truth. We find lasting permanence. Father, as we, we turn to your Son, our Savior Jesus, we, we find the one who is always with us. And so it is whether we, we've known our Savior for years and yet we, we drift into chasing after the things of the world because somehow we think they're going to to add to it, we need a little bit more of that copycat recipe. Or someone's tuned in tonight, doesn't really even know why, has never known Jesus. Lord, I pray that all of us would know him more tonight. That we'd realize that he 
is the source, that he is the one who created everything, that he is the one by whom you made each and everything that exists, and that indeed, eternally, your wisdom has existed, and eternally it will exist in him. That because of that, as we turn to him and trust in him, that we are trusting in something unchanging and everlasting. And it is in his precious name that we pray. Amen. Hope this was an encouragement to you tonight. And in, if it was, I'd sure appreciate it if you'd go ahead and jump on one of our current trends, sharing things on social media, and share this video. Yes, it is a trend in this moment. For all I know, all of social media will be gone in a few years. But right now we have it and God is using it to communicate his timeless wisdom. And you actually do make a difference. It might seem sort of frivolous. I'm just hitting this button. What could it possibly do? But as someone's passing through that that constantly changing thing that is social media, they'll maybe run across this video. You don't even know they need it. And they'll hear about God's unchanging word. I'm so grateful when you help us by liking and sharing and subscribing and doing all those social media trendy things so we can talk about what never changes. Sometimes we need help to figure out exactly how to apply God's wisdom. We're not sure in our changing world how to take that timeless wisdom. And we can do that by praying for one another and talking together. If you'd like to reach out, if you have questions or prayers, you can write our prayer line at 833-356-4032. It's great to hear from you there. It's right on screen. Or you can leave a comment in the comments below and we can pray or talk through something together as a group. It's so good when we do. I hope you'll join me next week as we wrap up by looking at wisdom and foolishness in Proverbs chapter 9. We'll be wrapping up this series with that. And join us on Sunday as we dig into God's word as well and worship our Savior together. That never changes ever. He's always there with us. And what a joy that is. Hope you have a wonderful and blessed week. And don't forget, the cookbook you need, the recipe that you need is right here in God's word. And you can take it with you all week long.